This episode is brought to you by Krishna Nose. Good morning. Uh, we are continuing with the Uddhav Gita. This is the last message of Shri Krishna. And we had stopped more than more than two weeks ago on verse 17 from chapter 15. So last week we were not able to do because of internet being disconnected. So we will continue from verse 18 onwards. This is all about Jnana Yoga. We are doing the verses connected to the first part of the Bhagavad Gita where Sri Krishna talks about the Jnana Yoga and here in this case Uddhav Gita also he is talking about the same Jnana Yoga. This is for a yogi, a person who has literally left everything and wanted to go away, has taken up the orange garbs and so on and so forth. So we will continue from verse 18. So we are doing the Uddhav Gita chapter 15 verse 18. When he has got disgusted with undertakings and is averse to their results, the yogi with his senses under control should hold the mind steady by the practice of meditation on the Atma. When he has got disgusted with undertakings and is averse to the results, the first criteria for being in spiritual is you should never be focused on the results. When I say focused on the results, focusing on the results doesn't mean that you need you shouldn't plan. Planning is a must. See, when you are going to fight a war or you are going to do something really spectacular in your life or maybe att attempting an examination, you are not doing it with an intention that you are going to fail. You are not fighting the war because you want to lose. You are doing it so that you can win. So the intentions are going to be good, naturally. But you have absolutely no control over the results. The results are always going to be askew. You know, you will not even be able to focus. This is exactly what is going to happen because he, nobody knows the future. Just today in the morning I was seeing a certain film where they were talking about Today, there are the top four accounting firms. A few years ago, there were five. A few years prior to that, there were six. Before that, there were eight. And now there is a problem with these four also. So, <laughs> the whole thing changes. The companies and people in this world, those who think that they are going to be there forever and ever and ever, are never there. Because as you know, Civilizations have come and gone. Those who thought of themselves as immortal and, you know, conquered the world, they too have gone away. So here you have to understand that nobody can focus on the results. This is what is going to happen. So what we got to do is we just have to do our jobs. And that too diligently. If I do not perform my duties, then I do not have the right to the results as well. Now here in case of a yogi, you have to be disgusted with the undertakings. Now it doesn't mean that he has to be eating his food with a disgust. <laughs> imagine, imagine a yogi eating his food with disgust or he's walking, uh, you know, that way up the mountainside. No, that is not how you, it is meant. Disgusted means the action itself is disgusting. You will come to know very shortly what this disgust is all about. Man does the same thing over and over again. Whatever that he does, think about it. He is living every single day doing the same old thing over and over again. The man's disgust doesn't show. On the contrary, 
he's got so used to that lifestyle of his that it is like he's living in a pigsty imagine that he loves to roll along in the mud and feel happy in that but is that called happiness ask yourself if you recollect we were talking about the lord himself where he was so used to rolling in that slush you know when he took that avatar finally shivji had to come from the heavens and kill him and he had to tell vishnu now enough of this you know you have become a pig you have a wife you have children and you are feeling nice about it get out from here and let us go back to the heavens so even if the lord came to the earth he would be so used to it but you have to be disgusted with it the lifestyle of ours on a day to day basis look at it what is it that you are achieving in this world today think about it are you leaving behind something really spectacular you are not doing anything you are an insignificant being on this planet earth who is not done anything so far if you have to look backwards in time to the industrial revolution that took place many years ago you will only remember just one or two people in that you know for the phone that you are carrying maybe you'll remember graham bell alexander graham bell beyond that i don't think you will remember anybody people have short memories nobody cares a damn about you you may be there or not there yesterday was october 2nd gandhi jayanti we say the entire news column in all the newspapers there was hardly any mention of mahatma gandhi anywhere so what happened to his legacy what happened to what he did so very slowly and steadily it is dwindling the memory is going away people will hardly remember a few days ago there was the birthday of jimmy con uh, i think uh, the president of america ex president jimmy carter not jimmy connors jimmy carter and he was sitting outside and there was a band outside passing by who remembers him now hardly anyone i am sure if you have to ask yourself do you remember the past presidents of india nobody will so here first you got to have that disgust this day to day doing nothing literally nothing getting up in the morning brushing your teeth doing your daily ablutions wasting your entire day what exactly do you end up doing ask yourself that and at the end of the day you do an analysis of yourself what have i achieved in the material world the answer is zat nil zero why if you tell me that i had a meeting yesterday i attended these calls i went out i bought these goods and so on and so forth let us say you give me all this and you tell me that i did so many things now ask yourself this prior to pandemic you were going to your office right and coming back you were putting in about 8 10 hours of service over there maybe an hour going an hour coming and full day even after doing that you would come home and cook you would read you would do something different you attended all the meetings over there you had number of calls you 
wrote something, you even attended to a million of your own messages. All these things you had, you know, squished inside that one day. Now think about today. What are you doing today? You get up at whatever time you feel like. And your day is lost. And on top of it, you have the cheek to say, I attended meetings on Zoom calls. You have not even dressed properly for a Zoom call. And one mail you might have sent out because there is nothing actually happening out there. Nobody is doing anything. I was amazed to see that a, a, an Indian lady in the 30 days, last 30 days of her life, she did 240 courses. <laughs> I was shocked to hear that because this is an Indian housewife and all these Udemy and so many other courses online, she did 240 certifications. And if you do one or two, and if you tell me I have done a certification, I am ashamed of you. <laughs> so where do you stand in front of this person? Nowhere. I am not saying that you are not worthy of even that one course. What I mean to say is very simply, where exactly do you stand in your own life? You do your own assessment and see for yourself. I... You know, human beings have this habit of thinking that they do too much, whereas they do nothing. So, here we are talking of the yogi. In his world, he has to be disgusted with his material worldly life. All the things that he has been doing. The lust, the greed, the anger, the upsets, the family life and so on and so forth. Everything he has crammed into that one life of his. He gets disgusted with it because it is not giving him anything. You know, people have this great idea of thinking happily ever after. Doesn't happen. You know that. I mean, I keep on repeating this ever, <laughs> forever, but it never happens. The same thing you keep on eating every single day. It doesn't make any difference to you. Now, there are people in this world, every day they may be eating rice cakes. In India, we call it idli. Okay, <laughs> rice, cakes, idli. Every day they have idli, dosa, vada, sambar. South Indians have that. Okay, they are happy with it accordingly. I mean, imagine eating that idli every single day. Are you really happy? So, a yogi has to be disgusted with that and he has to find permanent happiness. Permanent happiness. The happiness which doesn't get disturbed somewhere in the middle. So he has to forget about the end results also. So whatever that he does, he has to feel disgusted with it. Secondly, he has to be averse to the results. Whatever results that come out of his material worldly endeavors, he is supposed to forget about it. He has to have his senses under control. Now our senses are always wandering. They go around here and there. A very interesting topic was on. And I was speaking something to a person. And in that entire conversation, at the end of the conversation, I asked, what do you remember from what I said? The person was able to give only one answer, one simple line. And the rest of it, what happened? It doesn't work. You see, even if I am speaking one sentence right now, everything is hazing away, is going away. The reason is because nobody is focused in what is being happening in their life. 
we are not at all focused when a person has absolute focus then he will remember every word that is spoken that brings us to a subject of the bhagavad gita or the uddhav gita now this is like a shruti you know shruti means something which you hear and you by heart it and you keep on passing on to the next person and the next person and the next person the exact words of shri krishna who was hearing them arjuna and who was getting them over the network see there is no direct connection there <laughs> dhritarashtra was listening to the words through sanjaya's mouth so sanjaya was listening to the radio waves i think i mean imagine that you are reading the bhagavad gita now i know we are doing the uddhav gita but you are reading the bhagavad gita the words which were told by one person to another to another to another to another goes down the line and it has come today to a point where we really don't know what was being said isn't it same case with jesus christ also the sermon on the mounts how many people wrote it down nobody wrote it down not a single person wrote it down the bible supposedly is more than 175 ad anatomy no 175 and that too it is a it is made into a book the bible go back in time and see king constantine was the emperor and he said okay let us select four books from the pile of books that were there and he selected and they made a pile of it and they said oh this is the bible how does anybody remember the words what were spoken this is a very big question mark you got to ask yourself this how is it known there these are histories mysteries okay so if you want to know the mystery of this history then you have to follow my satsangs regularly for you to actually understand the truth so what is the truth now do you get the point with all these things going on it's a very very difficult subject for anybody to understand what is the truth yes as far as buddha is concerned i can tell you something for sure buddha's every word every word and i'm not joking about it every word was written down 2500 years ago his words were written down by 500 bodhisattvas and 500 arhats they sat in front of him for 40 long years and they were compiled every word that he and his primary disciples spoke and that is well documented no doubts about it absolutely none so if i have to get a buddhist scroll today which one of these monasteries have which they got from the nalanda university that would be the words which were spoken by buddha the authentic words whatever he spoke they were scribes you know understand scribe they were writing down everything so there i can say yes done but the rest of them so spirituality is a subject which needs teaching 
So you have to understand it. So did Jesus actually say those words? Or did Sri Krishna actually say those words? So you need a guru to do the interpretation for you. See, you got the point. So this yogi has to do this. It is called the eternal truth. He has to contemplate on the eternal truth. Why does that happen? What is being said by Sri Krishna? Is it real or not? He has to contemplate on this subject. That is the reason why first he has to eliminate all the dross around him. What is the dross around him? Lust, greed, you know, these material worldly attachments of his, all kinds of passion that he has in the world. He has to throw all these out. Because if I have some passion, just imagine I have a passion of watching the Indian soaps. Not the Indian soap, the soap, okay? What you see in the television, <laughs> ZTV, Sony TV, these. Suppose I want to know what happened next in all those serials of mine. And I don't have the time for all these Bhagavad Gita's of this world. But if I have to focus on the Bhagavad Gita and the Uddhav Gita and the words that are being spoken by the Lord, then my job is very clear. I have to focus on it. Because spirituality is a subject which talks about the real truth, the absolute truth. So, his senses under control should hold the mind steady by the practice of meditation on the Atma. So, this yogi, first he has to get rid of the dross that is there around him, all the crap that he is wading in, all the passions he has to throw out, all the attachments he has to throw out, he has to focus in that one direction. Remember, we are talking about Jnana Yoga. Jnana Yoga is the yoga of knowledge. Got it? So knowledge means you have to put your head down on that subject and just get into it. No other things. I'm sure those who are attempting examinations for the final years and all that, they don't have time even to eat food. You know that. It's a very simple subject matter. Here also it's the same thing. Here the yogi is supposed to be focused only on that one subject, knowing, trying to know about the Atma. What is the meaning of the word Atma? We say soul, S-O-U-L, right? So, <laughs> Atma is supposedly the soul. But there are no souls, S-O-U-L-S. I have repeated this again and again. There is only one soul. So, he is supposed to go into that subject matter. If he thinks that he has one soul, somebody else has another soul, then he is a material worldly person. And for a material worldly person, yes, there are souls. S-O-U-L-S. All souls day and all those kind of things. You know, Just recently we finished with that uh, in India. You know, all the dead people. We were doing all the prayers for all the dead people. That is finished. I think today must be the last day or something like that. So anyway, coming back to the subject. Here the answer is, he is supposed to zero onto this one entity called the Atma. The subject matter of this is called Adhyatma. Adhyatma. Adhyatma means Adhyatma. The Atma within the study of this particular subject. In English, the same is called, Atma is called the soul, but there is another word which they use, the spirit. The knowledge of spirit is called spirituality. I hope you got that clear. So the knowledge of spirit is spirituality. The knowledge of Atma is called Adhyatma. And this subject which we are doing just now, is called spirituality or adhyatma, one of the two. One is in Sanskrit and one is in English. So, so he has to do the meditation on the atma. He has to go inwards to find out. But first he has to remove everything from outside. 
Number one, he has to get disgusted with the world outside. Everything that he does. Second, he is not supposed to bother about the results. Become averse to results. Number three, he has to keep his senses under control. That means not keep on having that, you know, wandering eyes and all those kind of things. No, focus. Focus is the main subject. And you should hold the mind steady. Mind has to be steady on that one subject alone. Focus on that one subject. What is the subject? The Atma. That means the practice of meditation on the Atma. These are the things which a yogi is supposed to do. Verse 19 from chapter 15 of the Uddhava Gita. When the mind in the act of being concentrated begins immediately to wander and is unsteady, then being alert he should bring it within his control by following a conciliatory way. See, these four verses are all in conjunction. Only the 1, 2, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, like that till 26 verses total. Seven verses in all or more than that. They are all the same. When the mind in the act of being concentrated begins immediately to wander is unsteady, then being alert he should bring it within his control. By following a conciliatory way. Now, what, what does a man do when he is focusing on a subject? Let us say you are focused on one subject. You are reading something. And now when you are reading something, you have taken a very important, you know, not an important, maybe you are reading a storybook. And you are reading it intently. And suddenly, when you come to the middle of the sentence and you say, food, oh, I'm hungry now. <laughs> and immediately your mind starts wandering. You say, I should go to the fridge and see what is there in the fridge and I should eat something. Immediately it happens. When you're watching a television, or the TV is on. By the way, we don't have TV here. Okay, so <laughs> it's a good thing. You are watching the TV. Suddenly you find there is an ad coming over there. What do you do? Switch channels. Switch, switch, switch. This is what happens to the human being. He cannot focus on that subject at all. Not any subject. I can guarantee you one thing for sure. You cannot focus on the subject. See, if you were able to focus on the subject, by now you have got, you would have got an Olympic medal. Okay, please be sure. <laughs> I can guarantee you this much. Because if you have that kind of a focus, then you know how to take the aim and shoot. Alright? So focusing on the subject is very, very important. So let us hear, see what the yogi is supposed to do. Whenever his mind wanders, Mind has to wander because mind is like a is like a monkey. Okay, he doesn't want to sit in one place. Have you ever seen a monkey, even in a cage? He is always doing something or the other, like a monkey mind. You know, your mind keeps on going here and there. Focusing on the subject is impossible, literally, for every human being. And now a yogi, yogi's focus has to be single pointed. Imagine that. So, when his mind starts wandering a little bit here and there, here and there, suddenly, you know, when he's sitting over there doing yoga or whatever he is doing, suddenly his eyes open and then he sees on top of a tree a small fruit over there. Oh, I wish to have that. <laughs> I have told this story many a times, but I will tell you once again. You know Gandhari. Gandhari is that blind lady, I mean the one who was wearing a patti on her eyes. In the Mahabharata war, okay, she had hundred sons. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Duryodhan and Dushasan were the primary ones. Very good. Now you know where we are heading. So Gandhari was there and... Uh, she had decided that she is not going to eat anything at the time of the war that was happening because 
she was upset about the whole issue and she was blaming krishna for all the problems in the world she said krishna you are responsible for this and on the last day when everybody is dead the whole world is you know immersed in the red blood lying all over the place everybody is dead lying over there and they are all in their tents maybe i mean that's what i imagine okay so now think about it now gandhari now she sees all her sons are over there in the battlefield all of them dead so she says i have to go and see my sons she's crying away to glory you know maybe the whole patti was wet i don't know and she's crying and she's going over there and then what she does she holds on to one son then another and then another and she's crying over there and in the tent over there arjuna and all these you know pandavas they are sitting with they are there with krishna and they are looking at krishna and they are saying poor lady you know all her sons are dead nothing in this world is there of course look at look at the way she is crying poor thing you know they were they were pitying her there was so much of angst over there they were all feeling sad and bad for her krishna was smiling as usual i don't know whether you know he always has a smirk on his face or maybe a small smile <laughs> so krishna is smiling by the way all yogis are supposed to do that okay because when they see the material world they are supposed to be you know that kind of a face so they all look at krishna and they say krishna you should be feeling sad for her you know krishna says no you don't understand you see the thing is she is crying just now but there is far greater requirement in a person's life than all these attachments in this world it is the attachments to the children that gandhari is crying okay but that attachment will go away very soon because the primary attachment is towards the body b o d y your own body this is just watch what happens now and so in the kurukshetra battlefield gandhari goes over there and then she is seeing all her children over there dead and he is she is crying away to glory and suddenly the afternoon sun is there peak she starts feeling hungry and thirsty so then what is to be done so she just looks around here and there and there she sees a small tree laden with fruits she goes near the tree because first she sees is anybody is watching nobody is watching so she goes near the tree and tries to pluck the fruit but it is too high so what she does is there are a couple of bodies of her children lying over there she starts dragging one by one and she piles them up and then she climbs on top the body so that she can reach the fruit she removes the fruit and she satiates her hunger she eats that fruit krishna who is standing with arjuna and all the other brothers he says look at that this is the woman who was crying for her children and now she wants to satiate her hunger attachments are like that they are very flimsy something happens a little bit all your attachments crumble one of my disciples she was married to a man who used to beat her so much black and blue she had a 2 year old baby one day he beat her so badly her eye was literally smashed in and then he locked her from outside his house 
by the way he was a army a navy gentleman very hefty and huge i mean well built and imagine beating a wife for no rhyme or reason anyway i i don't want to go into that subject i'll just tell you what happened so this lady somehow with the help of the neighbors she was able to get out through the bathroom window she was wearing one pair of clothes one pair of clothes and her child was there with her she was more than 100 kilometers from mumbai she went all the way to mumbai with that child of hers to her parents house and told her father see please save me from my husband every day he beats me up i have come to stay with you the father looks at her and tells her you are no longer our responsibility get out of this place and he threw her out even after seeing her eye literally swollen and she was having one single pair of clothes this lady ran all the way to bangalore she took a train and came to bangalore and in bangalore she had nobody to turn to now the only thing that was there on her body was one gold bangle and this is a true story which happened to my disciple with that one bangle she she rented a house and she stayed with that child so now think about it here are a set of parents who kick out their own daughter there there is a husband who really beat her up the whole world was throwing her out so what attachments i be talking about in this material world remember nobody belongs to you and you belong to no one if you think that you have some parents or if you think you have some you know husband or wife or children they too don't belong to you nobody is yours so these attachments have to be so here all these things which we are talking about the yogi has gone through this process and when he has gone through this process of detachment so why is it that any thought comes to his mind now imagine this person which we are speaking of the stories that i told you every single day of the life the lady must have been thinking my parents disowned me my husband did this to me what am i to do every single day of life isn't it the mind keeps on eating gnawing you in the material world if you have a heartbreak what happens isn't your mind overtaken by that one thing here the yogi is being told you cannot allow your mind to wander from that one subject called the atma so he says when the mind in the act of being con- concentrated begins immediately to wander and is unsteady then being alert he should bring it within his control by following a conciliatory way simple techniques are being described over here we will do those in the material world you are supposed to focus on subject matters how strong your focus is how absolutely perfect it is there's a story of arjuna also where he was asked what do you see on that tree dronacharya had asked this question to all his students everybody said oh i see a tree over there i see a branch over there i see a bird over there i see this i see that and the guru dronacharya had said you are supposed to hit the eye of the bird 
and arjuna is the only person who says i can see the eye of the bird that is called focus so focusing on that one subject alone so here when your mind is askew is wandering around everywhere your job as a yogi is to bring the mind back back to the subject of atma remember we were doing practice on the meditation on the atma so you have to bring it back steadily following a conciliatory way you have to remove all those concessions that you are making in your life what are the concessions that a person does you know the concessions that a person does is this when you sit in a chair you know you are trying to become comfortable in the chair when you are sleeping in the bed you are trying to become comfortable in the bed isn't it when you are sitting for your examination if you are focus if you are doing your you know <laughs> examination where you are supposed to answer 100 questions in 60 minutes i mean you are going to be just sitting like this and doing that <laughs> but otherwise if you have a 3 hour paper in the 30 minutes your mind will start wandering <laughs> what am i going to do i don't understand this question you see in the competitive examination you don't have time for all these things so why are you giving yourself that come that particular thing you know where you are giving concessions okay i worked 3 hours don't ever give concessions to yourself understand this every time when you give concessions to yourself you are making the biggest mistake of your life you know concessions are also fantastic in life it gives you a lot of opportunities to give reasoning when you give concessions to yourself you will give reasoning suppose if i ask you a question why haven't you done this you know guruji i was i was out over there it took me time over there and this happened this is called concessions every time when you give concessions to yourself this approach is not good when you focus on a subject you have to finish that subject from start to end it has to be done single pointedly so stop that attitude of giving concessions to yourself all the time in life also let me tell you one thing don't ever have those concessions okay focus heads down do that complete the subject time yourself out isn't it you when you time yourself you will understand how important it is when you have a 60 minute paper to do for all those people who understand what is competitive examinations you have to keep your head down and do that subject tak 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 100 questions in 60 minutes you know you can't even say one one question per minute that means suppose you don't know question number 3 and 4 you cannot say oh what is the meaning of this can i read it once again can i read it once again you are losing seconds you are losing seconds isn't it isn't it the same thing when a person is driving his f1 you know in a race he doesn't have time to think as if you are in a fighter jet okay and there is an enemy in front of you can you give yourself that one additional second you can't why do you make concessions when you make concessions you are going to fail so this approach is very very important don't make those concessions in your personal life also if you really want to be successful stop making concessions to yourself You see, if you make concessions to yourself, you are going to be the one who is going to be the loser. So stop giving reasons for everything. Mind is full of reasoning. It gives you so many reasons. If I don't do this for this because I did this because I did that, it gives you all those because ifs and buts. So he is not supposed to do that. the yogi has to focus on the subject 
get his mind back in the saddle. We are doing verse 20 now. From chapter 15, the last message of Sri Krishna, Uddhav Gita. He should not lose sight of the course of the mind, but holding his prana and his sense organs in subjugation, he should bring the mind under his control by means of an intellect charged with sattva. Now this I will explain to you by means of how you train yourself when you go on a firing range. You know, I'm sure you might have seen a lot of movies where they show the firing range. You put those earmuffs on and you take the gun, load it and then you see the target over there. By the way, all the CIA guys in this world know they, they exactly know where the target is to be hit and they hit it so perfectly. I mean, in all these Quantico and all those kind of nonsensical serials, you will find that they are perfect beings. I mean, I have learned shooting myself, but I have never hit the target twice or thrice at the same time. Same place. No, you can't do that. <laughs> but they do it. And they should be in the Olympics instead of Quantico or all those places. Isn't it? Don't you think so? Anyway, coming back to our subject, the focus. He says, do not lose sight of the course of the mind. When you are going on the firing range, your attention has to be exactly over there. The target. When I was telling you the story of Arjuna just now, the eye of the bird, isn't it? The target is extremely important. So focusing on the target is so crucial. He says, how do you do that? Holding his prana, and sense organs in subjugation. Holding your prana. Just imagine, now you have taken perfect aim. And in most of these movies, have you seen, the girl standing behind will come and do, in the ear of that hero, whoever the hero is. <laughs> I have seen some James Bond movies where the James Bond is taking a name and suddenly the, the heroine will come and, She'll blow in his ears and he will lose sight of the subject. <laughs> it's like that. See, at that point in time, holding the prana, your own breath has to be held. You know, if you keep on doing like this, have you seen the gun will go up and down? <laughs> so you have got to hold your breath also. For this yogi, it is an important trick. His job is to have a steady breath. Why do you learn Yogasana? Why do you learn Pranayama? The answer is because you need to become very steady. Okay? Literally, literally like a flatliner, they say, no? In uh, medical terminology, flatlining. Okay. <laughs> Line has to be straight away. Not that blip. So, literally your prana has to be like that. No movement. Nothing. And then, sense organs in subjugation. Your eyes should not be wandering here and there. Your subject is there. You are zeroed onto the subject. Can your eyes wander here and there? Can you keep on listening to what the neighbor is talking about? No. If this yogi is sitting in the Himalayas or in some mountain and if his mind is steadily on the subject of the prana, of the atma and he has quietened his prana, suddenly he hears a growling of a bear over there. You know what is going to happen, isn't it? He is going to lose control over everything. Or a snake comes and stands in front of him like this. Finished. So the yogi has to focus. Keeping his prana under control. And his sense organs. He cannot allow his eyes, ears or nose or something like that to wander around. Especially the mind. 
he should bring his mind under control by means of intellect charged with sattva this is an interesting part he should bring his mind under control with intellect charged with sattva this is something which you need to know what is the meaning of the word sattva goodness isn't it everything that is goody goody in this world nice rajas is action tamas is laziness inaction i don't want to do anything sattva means the highest one so the intellect charged with sattva means what there are no desires in it there are no desires in it if you have a desirous mind then it is rajasik in nature and also tamasik of course tamas means the desire is i just want to sleep imagine you are focusing on one subject uh those who those who want to learn hypnotism you know they will teach you something where you sit in one closed room no air coming in over there it it has to be an absolutely closed room all the curtains are drawn there is no noise anywhere there is no sound anywhere not even the fan or the ac or anything like that you sit in a closed room you keep a candle in front of you a big candle and you just look at the flame you know how difficult it is without your mind wandering here and there you see you can't do like this you can't do like that and you can't close your eyes also eyes open to focus on that flame this is one of the yogic activities which even the yogis do <laughs> it's called trataka it's a difficult thing to do for a normal person whose mind wanders here and there it's very difficult but this is what you got to do it's called the windless that place the windless room where you can focus on the candle flame so like that now what thoughts can you have when you are focused on that flame what thoughts can you have you can't have any thoughts you can't think of anything you can't even let your mind wander so now when you have nothing to think of and there is no focus on any other subject except that flame that is the single pointedness that you develop but if you have some desires if you feel oh this is very uncomfortable there is no breeze over here oh i should put on the fan all these thoughts which come they want to disturb you so this yogi he is supposed to sit in that one place never lose sight on the course of the mind the mind has to be focused on attaining the atma holding his prana he cannot do that his breathing has to be very steady sense organs in subjugation his eyes and ears should not wander around here and there he should be focused he should bring his mind under control mind has to be brought under control by means of an intellect charged with sattva focusing on that one subject alone not allowing your mind to wander if you have any desires if you have any wants and needs and all then you are finished your mind which is to be under the control of the intellect that is charged with sattva sattva means goodness only my job is to focus on this subject alone and nothing else that is all then you become good in that subject we move to verse 21 Uddhav Gita chapter 15 verse 21 the sort of a control of mind is spoken of as the highest yoga like the control of an unruly horse with a view of to making him conform to his rider's wishes at every step you see it is like training the horse the horse is your mind when you train your mind you when you train the horse to that level where if you you know with a little twist and turn and little tapping here and there you know how the horse is supposed to go that means you have trained your horse properly 
in the material world that is what you do in the spiritual you have to train your mind to that level where that the control over the mind should be such that you should not allow it to wander around you see a wild horse can wander around here and there a wild mind is going to keep on wandering here and there but if you keep that mind steady on the subject what happens to you do you know what happens when you keep your mind steady on one subject your mind decimates decimates and you come to a status of no mind because understand one thing in the scriptures and in the spiritual text it is written there is no mind mind is an illusory creature created for you got it so yesterday i was giving one story i will repeat it for those who are attending today's satsang ramkrishna paramahansa the story of rakhal ramkrishna paramahansa so ramkrishna paramahansa was supposed to visit one of his devotees his name was adhar he was a magistrate now he goes there the next day and he tells adhar and he tells the person over there you should have called me yesterday yesterday you had the puja at your house so the person who is sitting over there says that is rakhal's fault rakhal is swami brahmananda the first president of ramakrishna mission okay first president of ramakrishna mission so what happens is when that man blames rakhal and says rakhal is responsible because rakhal was told by adhar to call you yesterday and he forgot to give you the message ramakrishna parmahansa looks at him and says you should never take the name of rakhal rakhal has not done anything wrong it is adhar's fault now the question is how can it be adhar's fault where adhar the, the magistrate had told rakhal to tell ramakrishna parmahansa to come yesterday so it is rakhal's fault from the material worldly perspective so my disciple asked me this question how is it not rakhal's fault so the answer was this rakhal is called nitya siddha nitya siddha means born realized born realized person they don't make mistakes period full stop they don't make mistakes so ramakrishna parmahansa said rakhal is not to be held responsible adhar should have told me why is this responsibility not with rakhal the answer lies over here if you are say in a factory and if you are doing a punching job you are punching holes in something you know under a press that press falls it punches a hole press falls punches a hole press falls punches a hole you know how that is done no in if you have seen some videos of those factories how the machines work your job is to push the metal inside and suddenly because your mind wanders your finger goes in over there and your finger gets cut so whose fault is it the machine's fault or your fault the answer is it cannot be machine's fault it is your fault how can it be machine's fault the machine doesn't have a mind you have a mind and your mind wandered that is the reason why your hand went in and it got cut a spiritually perfect person has no mind status do you get the point he is like a machine he is programmed to do certain tasks so the enlightened people in this world whether it is buddha jesus christ or sai babas of shirdi or ram krishna parmahansa or even rakhal for that matter 
they are enlightened beings they are literally like machines they do not have a mind like an average person so it is never their fault got the answer they are like that machine which is just doing the job punching holes the one who is with him with that particular machine that person is supposed to take care so aadhar should have informed ramkrishna paramahansa not rakha it is not something which you can understand right now because spirituality is slightly a difficult subject slightly no very difficult subject <laughs> so we will do this recap of this verse tomorrow this is verse 21 and i will give you slightly detailed explanation also so i will stop over here at verse 21 where i have given you an understanding that an enlightened being doesn't make mistakes so here you have to understand the control of the mind is essential for a yogi because he has to come to a no mind status got it so we have come to the end of the satsang over here and i'll see you all tomorrow you have a great day today